HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by Henry's Wine and Spirit. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Do you have an intention or a resolution for this year to maybe make a change in a habit in your food, your social media use, or maybe you want to make a big, big change and give something up? If you do, this episode of Tech Bites is for you. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. The big first hello, happy new year for 2019. I'm very excited to be sitting here in the Heritage Radio Network studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, starting my fourth year of Tech Bites. Yay! I'm Jennifer Liuzzi. I'm the host and producer of Tech Bites. It is a little podcast started back in 2015. We talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. We look at the intersection of food and technology to find out how that is impacting food in our real lives. And today, we have a very special episode to kick off the new year and the new season. We have a friend, fellow, former Heritage Radio podcast host. She's been a guest on Tech Bites. She just wrote an amazing book, and she is going to kick off our year um, with a little bit of one of those disconnect from your tech episodes that we like to do every now and again to create good balance and good feng shui on your tech. Her name is Jacqueline Raposo, and you may remember her lovely voice from a show called Love Bites, which she did with a very engaging gentleman named Ben Rosenblatt. The two of them talked about love in New York City and... (laughs) Technology and people and food and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, it was it was such a blast. It was dating and love and relationships and how to navigate it as mid-30-somethings. And then we interviewed people of all ages and all walks of life. It was such a wonderful experience for two years. Yeah. 
Well, if you want to listen to those again and again and again and again, you can find them on heritageradionetwork.org. We have a huge library of all the episodes, and I think it's getting close to 40,000 at this point. That's amazing. Yay, Adrian. Yay. So we will start off the new year and this new episode like we always do. We will go around the shipping container talking about apps. We will hear Happy New Year and apps from Matt Patterson, our engineer. This is a big year for you. For me? Yes. How how do you know that? How do you know? What do you know? I hear this is going to be a big year for you. Uh, I guess it's true. I have a wedding. Is that what you're you're alluding to? Yes, I was alluding and referring to the... Yeah, we are in betrothal we're in, event. We're in the throes of planning right now. We've decided not to go with the Jen Liuzzi elopement strategy, sadly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, next, pr- next proceed, proceed at your own risk. <laughs> proceed at your own risk. For people interested in an ama- and a great blueprint to elopement, check out the Heritage Radio Network show Wedding Cake with Cynthia Malloran, amazing DJ Cherish the Love, and she did a show about weddings. And uh, I came on and talked about how to elope and have a private wedding that you don't invite anyone to except a photographer. Truth. So uh, do you have an app for us that's perhaps are you using apps to plan your wedding, vacation, (laughs) honeymoon, Uh, time? No, no. Losing weight to get into a tuxedo, anything like that? (laughs) I'd just be talking about Google spreadsheets and that would be boring. But effective. Yeah. No, it's true. Um... No, well, I do have an app for you, and it has nothing to do with the wedding. Okay, um, well, you need some quiet time for yourself. Yes, yes. And, yes, it's, it's actually sort of, it's about uh, time for myself. It's about privacy. Um, I have, for the longest time, felt like I should be using a VPN when I'm on Wi-Fi networks in cafes and things like that. I finally downloaded one. Okay. Uh, so it's called Tunnel Bear. Yes, that's a very popular one. Yeah, I've been pretty psyched on it because this is just like one of those things that I f- felt like I should be doing, I've known I should be doing for a long time because I do spend quite a bit of time on public Wi-Fi in this city. And I'm just happy that I finally did it. Well, that's a great way to start 2019 with a little bit more personal security. And I will tell you that I was reading something online not too long ago about free Wi-Fi that there are nefarious types of people who will sit in a cafe or a restaurant or public space and put up a open Wi-Fi yeah. that has the name of something that sounds like <sighs> the free Wi-Fi from the place you're at. Well, they don't even they don't like even I could do sit that. in the tiki bar and put up a free Wi-Fi and call it, you know, Roberta's tiki bar, yeah, or call it tiki bar, and then people would log on for free, and then I would just hack Rama so all day long. Even one level smarter than that is you don't name it that. You instead name it um, ATT Wi-Fi or something like one of these ubiquitous free provided Wi-Fi network names. And your phone, if it's already been taught that, will just automatically connect. There you go. So that takes you know one step out. You don't need to trick the human. You just trick the phone. Oh, terrible. Beware out there, people. Even though we're excited it's a new year, there's still a lot of peril. Yeah. So I'm into the VPN. And if you're going to go like down the rabbit hole of a VPN, do not get a free VPN because then they're doing shady <laughs> stuff. You got to pay a couple bucks. 
Yeah, a couple dollars is is not too much to pay for your security and and your tracking location and where you are and all those things, as we learned at the end of the year. Tunnel Bear is also very effective, not just for protecting your personal safety, but it also, if you travel internationally, it will trick the internet provider of the country you're in and allow you to do things like access HBO and Netflix. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a secondary uh, benefit if you're an international traveler, because sometimes you get blocked from using streaming services if you're outside the country or you're in a country where they don't want you streaming certain things. So a VPN can help with that. Jacqueline, do you have an app that you like? I was listening to the episode of Tech Bytes you were on way back when you were actually episode number 74, which is amazing. Um, and at the top of the show, you were talking about how you had so many apps that you just <laughs> loved. You were like, dating app, you know, manage my health and disease app, social app, photography app, writer app, book app, <laughs> blogging app. I use so few. First of all, I'm definitely on the elopement train. So I just want to go on record. I'm very far from needing it, but I, I love it's that episode. episode. It's, it's such a good episode. I love Cynthia. I love that show. And I had details about your elopement long before that episode, but hands down, yes, that's the way to go. Um, But as far as the apps, I have, I think because of the book and the project that I did, I'm so far from where I was then. But my favorite app now is Libby, the library app. Oh. Which when I wrote the book, I talk a little bit in chapter two about transitioning my library, my book habits from reading paper books and sort of buying books at a click where, you know, you can just want a book and buy it right. very quickly. Well, you can want anything and we buy it very want anything, yeah. So anything, I, one I couldn't click. shop for 90 days and all of a sudden I realized, wow, I have a really big problem with buying books and then not reading them. So all of a sudden I was putting all these things on my Goodreads app, another app that I love And at the time, though, with libraries, you had to use OverDrive. And it was this clunky system of using your library card on OverDrive. And then if you got a book out through your library, then it would push it to Amazon, which would push it to a Kindle reader. It's Yeah, it was such a headache. I mean, it was great because you were still getting library books. Yeah. Yeah. So I forget how long ago now, a good year ago now at least, Libby came out as an app for the library program where it's an app where you can read books and listen to audiobooks from your library within the Libby app. So it's the same process where so you put... it's not a 17-step process. It's not a 17-step process. You can still download the books to your Kindle app and read them separately. And you can sort of trick the app into like if you just sort of download the book and then go offline, you can sort of have them indefinitely. But I don't do that. I just read them in the Libby app. And more importantly, I listen to audiobooks through it. And it's it's seamless that way. You can reserve books. You can extend them. You can. It's quite, quite delightful. The library app for digital and audio is fantastic because you also don't have to remember to return them because mm-hmm. they'll just evaporate. Yep. I do have a little bit of a problem reading electronically, though. I really I, still yeah. prefer to read in paper, especially at night or in the morning when I'm trying to bookend my day without screen time, which is one of the things you're supposed to do. I don't actually use it for reading. I use it for audiobooks. Okay. Yeah, because I have the same thing. I love paper books. I love going to the library and getting right. the books. So I get the books. I get the paper books from the library. That yeah. was sort of my... I yeah. stopped buying books and I get them from the library. And sometimes it takes a while if, you know, your number, your hold number 372. Right. <laughs> 
it'll take a while for you to get it. But yeah, well, with Libby, it's great because you can see what's available with audiobooks and you can have your preference as audiobooks. So you can put it in an author's name and it will show you what's available as an audiobook and then you can just get it right then. So if you're listening to a book and you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't fit the mood I'm in, you can Go immediately right get another else. one. It's very yeah. instant gratification also, which yeah. is great. Especially if you just, if you're in the mood for a certain type of book. I do like the digital books for the instant gratification. If it's something like a cookbook or a reference book or something, mm-hmm. or maybe you don't have it and you want to find a passage for research or to remember yeah, it's something, a researcher, it's, it's really, convenient. it's yeah. really great for that. Okay. Libby, I will check it out because I still have the overdrive amazon kindle configuration <laughs> which was on the ipad nice but not yeah. yeah you had to really commit so we have jacqueline here today because she has published a new book it is called the me without a year exploring habit healing and happiness and in essence it's her tracking and sharing how she gives up a ton of things in life Habits, electricity, social media, eating, different kinds of food, making garbage, all kinds of stuff. And she also talks to different people and interviews different people. So it's a kind of a combination of personal journey diary and then sort of case studies interviewing other people. And it's really fascinating. And I've heard some of these different stories and some of the different, um, you know, launch points of some of the different chapters in your writing, because she is a very um, prolific freelance writer. She has a lot of writing. If you oh, want to check her out, JacquelineRaposo.com. And then she also has a site, MyYearOfAbstinence.com, which is a lot of, I think, the original yeah, that was, experimentations that's that what led it was to this. Originally. So it's a very messy online journal. Yeah. 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 So, of course, I'm really fascinated by the social media and the dating app and also the no television and the no electricity because that's sort of most relevant to sort of some of the things that I'm trying to tame myself but we were just talking before the show and you said that the whole thing kicked off with the 40 days of abstinence from the social media yeah that really um that really sparked it was just going to be 40 days off of social media back this was in 2017 this was in 20 this was in 2016 2016 june 20th i came onto love bites and i said i as of tomorrow i'm going off of social media for 20 days for 40 days so i'm just done with it i need a break social media and dating apps and halfway through that I was already ready to be like I think there's more to this like I was already noticing some transformations at a much deeper level than I expected that had me thinking what else can I re-examine about my habits but I don't think that I would have necessarily had that much of a change had I started with something else I think the social media and the dating apps specifically were the big instigator I needed for this project that I did for a a year. I did it from June 20th to June 21st. That's amazing. Um, So back to your original 40 days, it's really two two different components, social Mm -hmm. media and dating. Yeah. I mean, they are definitely related and adjacent and have overlap. But on the social media front, because you are a writer and freelance writer, a lot of what you do to promote yourself and to connect with people in even a a business sense, forget about just the purely social aspect of it, was 
almost requires you to be online doing those kinds of things. Well, I love I love that you use the phrase almost requires you because that's what it felt like. And that's what I hear reflected back to me now from other people in that cross my industries, that cross podcasting, that cross writing, that cross anybody who feels that now as creatives, we have to be public promote, figures. Promote. Exactly. We have to promote, we have to sell our brand, we have to Build be constantly updating what we're eating Follow and where me. we are. Exactly. Don't you care what I'm wearing right now? Exactly. And I was, I, I read back through my notes but, uh, a couple weeks ago for an interview and I read them back again for today. And I was under so much pressure, both from myself, but also with the idea of this is what we have to do. And we only have to do it as much as we buy into that. Like, and without, and I know this is going to piss off a lot of people, but now I am far less on the phone, on the apps, engaged with it, but I'm more, I'm more genuine with what I do, with my expression. I know my purpose in engaging with social media. I know which app I like more, how to communicate with different apps a little bit differently. And so my engagement is up. My connections are real. People are actually more reactive in ways off the social media. And I also don't feel bad when I don't get a lot of likes for something or I don't feel <laughs> I'm not constantly checking for the hearts and the thumbs up. But it took this big process of disconnecting to realize actually what I wanted out of social media and what felt good and what didn't feel good. I felt so bad from all that work to be on social media that I thought that I had to do. It's very time consuming. And it wasn't pushing me forward. I was not doing well as a writer. I was not getting any more jobs. And I was spending so much time on social media I wasn't that I wasn't writing. And I wasn't figuring was out what, how I wanted to express myself as, an, as a creative because I was spending so much time selling myself as a creative and less time being a creative. Interesting. And yeah, and it was, it was a hard wake-up call. So how did you, I think it's, you know, this time of year, it's the beginning of the year. January is notorious for, you know, people wanting to reset, redo, change so many different things in their life. And, you know, over the last 10 years with the advent of this, you know, the iPhone and the apps and social media and all those things, it's a whole extra layer of stuff to consider. Getting started is usually the hardest thing. So hard. And... I would ask, how did you, how did you decide on 40 days? That seems like an interesting amount of time to me. 30 is usually a month, the whole 30, two weeks, 21 days. I would be curious as to how you hit on 40. And then how did you start? Well, there, there are a couple things I know about myself is that I'm good with a challenge. I'm not good at saying I'll do, I'm not good at saying like, oh, I'm going to try to cut back on this. I'm good with. It needed to be a specific plan. It had plan. to be specific. And I had to be like, I told Ben on that show, I can do anything for 40 days. You know, I was sort of very heuristic about it. But, and so that was purely a calendar thing. It, we were going on the show. I was ready to do it. I was so, so much crap had happened. This was around a very political, politically heated time. This was around a big So politically shoot. heated yeah. time. But this was like during the primaries. The primaries had just been set. The Pulse, Night the Pulse nightclub shooting had just happened and people I loved were being horrible to each other on Facebook. A guy had just ghosted me on a dating app after we had like been setting up to go out. And I was just like, I am done with this crap. And if I went on to Love Bites and made this declaration, then I would hold myself so to it. So number one, accountability. accountability. Tell as many people as you can you're going to yep, do it I'm so they do can it. help you do and it. Then give myself you. a goal. 
Okay. And so it was June 20th. And I was like, if I do it for a month, it's going to be this weird day. If I do it for 40 days, it puts me to the end of August. So it was just a clear number. Okay. And that was why 40 days happened. So you picked a start date, you picked an end date, you told everybody... Yeah. The world. Yep. Listeners in 165 countries. Yeah. Within that, a couple of days, people you know, were checking in with me. How's it going? <laughs> you know. Did I see you on Instagram? Did I see you were live? So how did you decide what you were going to do? Because I'm assuming, and I recall that you still needed to be engaged somewhat online and in social media because of your work. Well, one of the things I wanted to figure out was am I really harming myself or helping myself by being on social media, the ways that I'm doing it? Can I be smarter about it? And so I signed up, um, or I'd already been on, but I took Hootsuite more seriously. Love Hootsuite. Yeah, and so I just- Hootsuite is a a scheduling platform for social media. So you can have a free account. You can also have paid accounts if you're a business and need a lot more um, postability and something much more robust. But it basically- allows you to create posts and set a schedule and you can basically set it and forget it and you could create posts for up to a year. Yeah, and one of the and it's and it's got a lot of options on it. So I went from having a free account to paying for it so that I could put all of the Love Bites feeds on it, all of my personal feeds on it and then make it so that you can either just have streams where you can just see your schedule of what you're posting or you can see the interactions and you can see your feeds on it. I set it up so I could only see what I was posting. So I would go onto Hootsuite and not see what people were responding to, not see my feeds themselves, but I could set up, hey, we've got the show coming. Hey, we've got this coming. I knew I wasn't doing that with Instagram. So Instagram was a cold 40 day off. Okay. But for Facebook and Twitter, I could still be promoting the show. If I had an article coming out, I could still post it, but I wasn't engaging with people. So I wanted to see like, all right, by the time I'm done, how many people have really been engaging, liking how, and more importantly, more importantly, like how much do I care? And was it any different? Was my readership up? Did an editor, did an editor ping me and be like, Hey, this is not, you know, doing as well as your pieces normally do. That didn't happen. And by the end of it, I was like, it was nice to sort of go on and browse, but I didn't feel this gaping hole from not, you know, nobody, nobody was pissed off at me. There was nothing that happened in real time. No. Yeah. Interesting. So that so I had that help. So setting that up, got the work part out, and I still do that now sometimes, not as regularly, but um, you know I still do that when I when I need a break. I still just use Hootsuite and schedule things out that way. And it's a great app in general for people to work to just set stuff up. I'm a huge fan of Hootsuite. Yeah, yeah, excellent app. And we are going to take a break. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. Did you know that? Did you know you could start the year off? becoming one of our members and making a donation and doing something great, getting an early tax deduction down for 2019. We subsist entirely on membership, grants, underwriters, and sponsors like this one. Stay with us. This episode is presented by Henry's Wine and Spirit, a go-to shop for anyone interested in natural wines and boutique spirits. There's a large selection of everything from orange wines, pet gnats, and reds from around the world. Whether visiting the shop in person or online, looking for a gift for a loved one or that everyday dependable bottle, you're sure to find lots of interesting wines at Henry's. There's free shipping on orders over $300 on the website henrys.nyc and case discounts when you visit the store located in Bushwick. Cheers. 
Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. And today, that is Jacqueline Raposo. She has just published a book called The Me Without, A Year Exploring Habit, Healing, and Happiness. It's a really fascinating, very personal Um, (laughs) very personal memoir of the year that Jacqueline spent giving up pretty much everything at one point or another and talking to people who have also given up things. If you are in the space right now, which many of you are, given that it's January 2019, that you want to make a change, break a habit, give up an app, change the way you eat, make less garbage, be more mindful and thoughtful, this is the book for you. Um, If you are interested in meeting her... And listening to her talk about her experience in real life, she will be at the Strand Bookstore at a book event on Monday, February 4th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. She will be joined by a panel of some really fantastic women. Missy Robbins, chef, who you may have heard of. She's got a couple little pasta spots (laughs) that have been quite the... uh, Quite the top of the uh, list, best yeah. list recently. Okay. She does she all right. She does all right. Kat Kinsman, who is a fantastic food writer and editor and personality, and she has a lot to say about um, my, being mindful and healthful and all those kinds of things. And Julia Bainbridge, who's a great woman writer also. So it's a jam-packed lineup. Um, you can find, you can register for the event at the Strand website under events. So that's Monday, February 4th. At 7 p.m. Yeah. And come a little early because we've got spirit-free cocktails by Listen Bar. Oh. And uh, some... Zero proof. Zero proof, yes. <clears throat> and uh, some book-themed sweets by uh, Daniel Skernick, the pastry chef of Le Cuckoo. Fantastic. So it's going to be a nice little party. I love that restaurant. Yeah, it's such a good restaurant. So before the break, we were talking about the the thing, the... the what, what do you call it? The abstinence, the... Uh, the reduction, the give up. How do you how do you discuss these types of things? Well, now I call it because elimination. Is elimination, it an elimination diet. Yeah, it, there's so many different things. It was called abstinence to begin with because I thought it was cheeky and I love bites and I was like, ooh, abstinence. And then people seemed confused by that. Um, so <laughs> then, then it was called my. So now we call I call it my year without going without some things. You know, yeah. So the whole thing was kicked off when she gave up social media and dating apps for 40 days. And before the break, we were just talking about how she started. She picked a start date, picked an end date, told a lot of people, announced it on her show that she was giving up social media. She used a the platform Hootsuite so she could program all the social media that she needed to for work as a writer and a host and producer of a show. So that's great. And then, so what else happened? Did you wake up on the first day and then just not look at your social media? Did you delete stuff from your phone? I like, delete, what did yeah. you do? The night before, I deleted all the apps from the my phone before. that I needed. Okay. Yep, a couple hours before midnight, I deleted all the dating apps, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I set up um, on my phone and my website, uh, the whatever you call them, so that I could not access them if I tried. Oh, um, just in case I was tempted. Actually, no, I didn't do that on my on my computer browser. Because, you blocked them. No, I did. No, I did. Yeah, I blocked them on my browser because I was like, oh, because I learned that it was very inconvenient in my research as a as a food writer to not be able to look on a chef's Twitter feed 
to learn about them because and was that part of it? was that part yeah of it? I didn't let myself and that's one thing I learned professionally was actually hard and re- I interview a lot of chefs and getting when I before an interview I do a lot of research and there's mm-hmm. there's things you can learn from interviews and articles you can learn a but lot about a people lot, from social media exactly and my Maybe interviews more are than very they want you yep, to and my interviews are very personal and I try to get you know a lot of backstory and conversation in so that was that was hard but I just basically gave myself a non-option no matter, even accidentally. So I didn't accidentally click on something. Um, and then the first morning, it really was, I mean, the whole first day, it was like I had chopped a limb off where I couldn't, like I was missing something. I was missing something from my hand. I would get up to go to the bathroom and I couldn't, and I was like, ah, and I'd go to bring my phone and then I couldn't. And I would walk my dog and there'd be like no reason to have my phone out. And that continued, and that was, that was really hard. And that, that first night, I think it was the first night, maybe the second, I was watching a soccer game. This was during, I think, the Copa Americana, and I couldn't, I couldn't go out to the bar. I wasn't feeling well, so I couldn't just look on Twitter to see what the other soccer nerds were doing. And it was this, it was a huge gaping hole for days, and I just had to figure it out. So at what point did the gaping hole go away? Ten days. Ten days. It took ten days for me to be like, okay, I, I'm, I'm all right. And I should also point out that like, I have a chronic illness and I spend a lot of time alone. So I was single and I'm a sick person. Like I have a chronic illness. I didn't, I can't go out a lot at the time I was going out more than I am now, but I spend a lot of time alone. And that summer, just coincidentally, I was also just spending a lot of time alone, um, in Connecticut where I also am from and spent a lot of time. And so I was spending a lot of time not around other people and that was one of the reasons why I had such a bad problem with social media is that I would fill in my time alone by thinking that social media was connecting me to people, to people by, by watching, by, what yeah, they're doing by watching life. and interacting. I thought it was giving me that. And by day 10, I learned to sit in the solitude and not be entirely freaked out by it. And then it was around day 20 that I realized how wrong I had been about this feeling of connection through social media, that social media was making me feel disconnected from myself and disconnected genuinely from other people. And, um, and that's when around 20 days in, that's when like, I, I realized like, Oh, I, there's a lot more to this. Like I can figure out a lot more about myself if I just keep on staying off of social media, sitting in these moments of solitude where I can't be distracted by the phone in my hand and scrolling and flipping. And that's, and that's why the dating apps were significant too, because you could, as a single 30 something <laughs> with all of the apps, especially cause we talked about on love bites so much. It was all these different apps that we were going through and figuring out which one was better. Right. You came on tech bites because I had read an article called six dating apps for foodies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, but there was always another app to try that was going to bring me to my love. And um, and not a very good worked. meal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, so many good meals. Yeah. Did you find that your real life or alternate communication methods with people increased? Did you phone people more? Did you email people more? Did you try and make more, you know, social dates to see people? That came later, but what I had observed by the end. And this is why I was like, I need to keep on going. At first, I thought I would continue and do 90 days of social media while I was crossing over my new project of 90 days of no shopping. I was like, I'm going to keep doing no more. I was going to keep doing no social media for a total of 90 days and then cross that over with starting 90 days of 
not shopping. So what happened when you got to day 40? Because by social media. Yeah, because by that point, I was recognizing that the few conversations I was having with people were definitely more present and had Mm. more value. And so I actually had in my notes, like from now on, I'm going to call people or text them on their birthdays. I'm not going to go and do it on social media. I'm going to reach out to people more. If I think about someone and wonder how they are, I'm not going to go on their feeds and look. I'm going to email them or call them. Right. And so those were the goals I set up for myself. Mm -hmm. So I didn't start that then, but that's sort of what naturally happened moving forward. I never actually set that up as a new habit. It just continued to happen because I started moving on and reassessing different habits. So you were so enthralled and happy with the results of being off social media for 40 days that you extended it and then you started the secondary piece, which was the, the next right. The next abstinence, no go, elimination. Yep. Give up. Yep. Give up, give away. Yep. And that was no shopping for ninety days. No shopping, yep. Was that all shopping, food shopping? That was anything that was not absolutely necessary but across the board. So that was food, um, clothing, shampoo. And that meant I had to run out of every bottle of shampoo in my um uh, in my shower, every tiny thing of chapstick that I had, any chapstick, lip gloss, anything. I had to run out of things before I could buy a new one. So again, I'm going to ask you how you started. Because starting is, 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 is always one of the hardest parts. And I find in, in reading articles and just experience and you know, anecdotally talking to different people, to your earlier point, if you have a general idea or a sort of theme or a resolution of, you know, I'm going to drink more water this year, or I'm going to spend less time on my phone. Those are so general. It's very difficult to navigate what you're supposed to be doing or what you're not supposed to be doing. But if you put a hard plan or number or time frame or, you know, value it, I need to drink a gallon of water a day or at least a liter or two liters, then you can start and say it. Or I'm going to use my phone less. Well, what does that mean? Well, maybe I'm only going to do email from my desktop or I'm not going to do email from my phone or I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that. So did you set parameters for yourself or did you just kind of go and figure it out along the way or? It was more of the former and then some of the latter that by this point I knew so it was going to be it was both. All, all yeah. of the above. <laughs> but by this point, I mean, first of all, I'm a freelancer, so I'm used to building projects and setting parameters and goals and timelines. So I think that's helpful. You're an organized freelancer. I'm a very organized. <laughs> just because you're a freelancer true. does not mean you have that skill set. True. That's very true. I'm a sort of a, I'm, I would not say type A, but I'm definitely an organized, that helps me. I mm-hmm. have to be organized or I'm not calm. Um, but by this time I knew it was going to be a project in a year. And so I, I decided, okay, here are the ways that I'm going to gauge my progress. And I picked three sort of meters which were my social interactions, my physical health, and my sense of self-worth, which are not like, you know, hardcore things you can track, but I was just going to journal about them. I decided that's when I got, I bought the URL myyearofabstinence.com and mm-hmm. I said, I will now upload the journals that I've been taking in my phone or in my notebook. I will record as I feel. I didn't give myself hard rules for that, but it gave me a place to put things. Um, and then I said, now, okay, I'm going to do 90 days. I'll start it. I think I started on a Monday just because it's easiest to start on a Monday. And that gave me a couple days to make the rules. And then because I was having so many problems with money, like I knew that the year was not going to be about adding in. I had too much going on in my life and taking, just taking social media out gave me space to figure some stuff out. Right. And that's what it was going to be. Time. I think, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to add in 
I have no expertise sometimes. about changing your habits to add new things. I mean, I from what I read in the research I did, obviously, but this was just about taking out and observing. That's all it was. So, so it was mostly about making plans, but then also giving myself the space that if something wasn't working as I went along, it wasn't a failure. It was like, okay, this is not working. I'm going to reassess, make a new rule, make a new goal, and not take it that seriously. So it was never going to be like, oh, I failed. Now I'm going to stop. It was always like, nope, I'm doing this whole year thing. I'm doing it. It's about just taking out, seeing how I feel, see what happens. Nobody's, nobody was reading the blog like it was a big thing. You know, it was just, it was for me. It was really for me. So how did it go? 90 Days of No Shopping was... I mean, I just like spoiler if you're going to buy the book, but... Um, that to... Uh, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, there's so many things I could say, but let's just say that, uh, across the board from the way I buy food has changed, like as, especially as a food writer, you don't, I learned that I do not need five types of olive oil and seven types of salt in my kitchen and that it's okay to have the same, to have a very specific set of food preferences in the way that I cook. It does not make me a bad food writer to have six spices in my cabinet. Um, so things as simple as that, because I only ran out of a, cu- a couple of spices in 90 days. So why do I have a jam-packed spice cabinet? Does not make sense. And then later in the year when I did zero waste, there were some ideas that were sort of repeated in that. So those two together. Um, the same thing with clothes. Like I had a really hard time being comfortable with clothes and my skin and just assessing my value with clothes and how I felt in the clothes and not being able to buy them, noticing the things that I was still looking at over and over versus the things I might've grabbed quickly on my way somewhere, the $30, $40 sweater that I would have grabbed because I was cold and then not liked and not felt great in and thrown out. And then just that's $40 and a sweater in a landfill that didn't make me feel good about myself. The clothing landfill is, is frightening. So that was a huge thing part for me that changed with those two things. So there was a lot of lessons from 90 days of no shopping. It was just, it was fascinating. So I gave, we, and you and I have spoken at length Mm -hmm. about it. I gave up clothes shopping for a year and it was precipitated by the fact that I was working in advertising and working a lot of late nights and working a lot of weekends. And we ordered in a lot of takeout and delivery. And I was, you know, riding the couch in the edit suite as you do. And I live in a very tiny New York City apartment and I keep my off season clothes and in a box in storage. And when I went to swap out, you know, winter for spring, I couldn't fit into my spring clothes and it was distressing. So I decided hard stop because I thought that buying bigger clothes was going to be the slippery slope in the beginning of the end. So I said, hard stop. I'm not buying any clothes for a year or until I can fit back into my clothes. But it was really basically no clothes for a year with the, ex- the only exception was gym clothes. And it was really just functional gym clothes. It wasn't this was pre-athleisure wear, so it wasn't like you could wear sweatpants to dinner <laughs> quite yet. Um, this was back in maybe 2008 or something oh. like that, 2000, yeah, something around there, 2008, 2009 maybe. And the two things that I found were, one, it was very liberating because there was no gray area. And I would go shopping with girlfriends as you do you know, somebody's looking for a special dress or need something or you shop as an activity and they would say, oh, you should try this on. I would just say no. 
and I didn't have any more of that time spent shopping. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going on a trip. Well, I think I need something. Or I'm doing this. I think I need something. So there was a huge chunk of time that I got because I wasn't shopping, which was very unexpected to me. And now we know that time is actually the most valuable commodity that you have, right, of everything. And so it was very liberating. So no time. And then also just the money thing. Yeah. It's just like you don't spend any money. So yeah. you, you save money and you save time, which are two big, big personal resources. And, you know, I, I, love, I love fashion, though. I love fashion. I love clothes. I love shoes. I love all those things. And I read all the magazines and I watch what's happening and all that. And I still did that and still do that. But in a very interesting way, my desire for those things decreased a little bit. And I did, you know, after I stopped shopping because of the size issue, and eventually I did get back into my clothes and everything recalibrated, I came to the decision that I really have enough stuff. I mean, I have, you know, beautiful bags and jackets and coats and all those kinds of things. And I really, after that period, when I, you know, had regained my my fitness and my size, I just, you know, wanted to enjoy the things that I had. And I still don't really shop that much yeah. at all. Yeah. Neither do I. I mean, I had a I had a problem where I needed to shop. I needed to buy. Like, I, 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 had, oh, I had gained weight and then I had lost weight and I didn't have a certain but I still don't have a, a, the, the clothing to fit something. And so, but this project gave me the space, like you said, it's time. And I interview so many wonderful people in the book, and especially with these first two chapters, I feel it set up it sets up the idea that sort of carries over about why these things mean so much to us when we take them out. Um, I talk about the hedonic treadmill, this idea that we get on that we always need the next thing to make us happy and the next thing to make us feel fulfilled. And I think that happens with clothing a lot for us. We don't feel right in our skin, especially women gain weight and lose weight so easily. It's always that thing in the window that's going to fill something for us emotionally not letting yourself do that and reassessing the real need that your body needs or that your your heart needs or your mind needs or whatever, like giving the time to that rather than browsing the internet or going into the store is really how, I love how you use the word distressing. You're fixing the, the thing that is distressed rather than sort of patching it. And then with, I explored a lot in that chapter, the difference between want and need. And I interviewed this amazing designer in California and Seattle, I believe, uh, Rebecca West, And she talks a lot about the emotional value of stuff and space. And it's sort of funny how later on we decide something that I, that I would have considered a want maybe was a need because of how much it was draining me to be this broken thing in my life that I decided I couldn't buy for 90 days. But there's all like stuff, stuff is energy, stuff is time. And for better or for worse, it, you know, it can work to our benefit, but it can also exhaust us and blind us from who we are, what we want, what makes us happy, what makes us feel confident. And it really took that long of, of taking out the option, like you said, to both assess when I had been wasting time, when it had been hurting me and harming me versus when like, no, I really do need to pay more attention and go out and buy some new pants. <laughs> like, I now have two pair of winter pants, two I pair of pants. jeans and one pair of summer pants. And that took me a pants. long time, you know? Pants. Yeah. Well, and the, the ironic thing is also that many times that beautiful, amazing garment that you want, that you covet, actually physically is not very comfortable when you're wearing it, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And certainly like the big shoes and, yeah. you know, for women who wear high heels and things like that. I mean, 
beautiful clothes are often and beautiful shoes are often yeah. not physically comfortable because yeah. they're you know like binding or tied or the high heels and all that Some so it's funny it's like, i don't wear it's, uh, anything that's you know, not comfortable it's funny yeah. so we are out of time and i'm you know this could be an entire series mm-hmm. if you you know i i don't know it's or it's the uh programming powers listening it would be a great uh you know short series i think going through um each phase of this book and the different things that you eliminated for your life and i think the elimination diets are a good analogy to this because you really don't know how something affects you until you create a baseline of not having it and it's almost in some ways when you travel to a foreign country, I think sometimes if, you know, an elimination is a little bit of a scary idea for people, you know, think about if you've ever traveled out of your hometown or out of your state or out of your country and you go to a different place, when you're in that different place and you don't have the usual things around you, the habits of every day, that's when you start to notice, yeah. I really do like my coffee. I don't like my bed. Yeah. turns out I want a, a, a firm mattress and I don't want the soft thing. And I like taking the subway and I don't exactly. like driving a car. And yep. I really, I lived in France for a few years. And one of the things that really surprised me is I wanted peanut butter. And mm. I'm not really like a peanut butter person. And I didn't eat a lot of peanut butter as a kid, but I was like, I kind of want a Rice Krispie treat and a, some peanut butter. That's a perfect way to put it. I know my, the one branded potato chips I love now. Oh yeah. I know the thing, I know the things that make me happy that I love. They're far fewer than you'd think, mm-hmm. but I know what they are now. So really quickly before we go, I'm going to encourage everybody to read the book, go to the book event. You can see her, but you knew you, you have, you were very lucky in the sense that the social media abstinence was really right on target for you. Mm -hmm. There are so many things coming at people today, often in social media, Instagram, Facebook, the media, everything right now, my entire newsfeed is filled with all the things I can give up, change, do, reboot, re, you know, everything. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have all these things we're supposed to do. And then now we have all these things about our fitness and life and wellness and mindfulness and all that stuff that now I'm supposed to be considering and reconfiguring my whole being. How do, I, how do I pick the one thing that I should start with? Because I, I certainly don't think people should do everything all at once because that's no, just a recipe God, for no. disaster. Oh, that sounds horrible. Um, well, I do have a section in the end of the book like, okay, don't do what I did. I don't call it self-help. I call it self-self-help. Um, but if you're going to, here's more nerdy stuff from the people I talk to and here's some insight. I, What I did, I did. I, I did. We're all humans. I'm just a human. I can't tell anybody where to start. All I will say is, like, yes, I'm an organizer. You might not be an organizer. I like doing things alone. You might need a group. So I say all these things in the end of the book. Mm -hmm. I can't tell people where to start other than you you might already know the thing. People were coming at me all year saying, you should do this, you should do this. I'm like, I don't have a problem with that. You have a problem with that, so you should do that first. (laughs) The thing you know is bothering you. Here's chapter five. Yeah, like, do that one. I'll say two things. Number one, if this, if any of this has sounded intimidating or like a big deal, it's, it's just you doing something for yourself. It's not you doing something. Like I did not expect to write a book about this. I did not expect to be talking about it. I did it for me. And even though I was blogging about it, I was blogging about it. It's a, it's, if you go to the site, it is messy and it's not like here's, you know, a catch up on everything. It is an online journal that doesn't make sense half the time that I was not expecting people to read. And very few people did. I did it for me. 
I messed up. I failed. I write in the book about, hey, like you mentioned television. I failed at television several times. I still struggle with the television thing. I love those apps. Those are great apps. Um, so it should be personal and it should be messy and it should be whatever you need. And it's just taking stuff out. We, we are all so overwhelmed. So that's yep. the one thing. And then the second thing I'll say is that like it is worth it. It is hard. But talk to people, read books, listen to podcasts, watch TED Talks, expand your mind. If we learn about our brain, if we learn about our habits, if we change our, if we try to change our point of view, there is so much stuff to learn out there. It is fascinating. I pulled in as many people into the book as I could interview. I had to cut a lot of interviews and a lot of research. Expand your mind, try, work harder. You can do it. And it's not, it's, and if it doesn't work, the, the sun okay. rises tomorrow. It's okay. It's yeah. not a big deal. Not a big deal. If you really went on Facebook or you watched the movie or you made a piece of garbage or not you bought deal. a pair of socks, it's it's okay. It's all a game. These are low thresholds. It's all a game. Low threshold. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you so um, much I hope for people, me. you know, if people have any thoughts about things they are trying or want to try or apps and technology that have ironically helped them wrangle the app and technology mm-hmm. habits that we all have, we would love to hear from you. Tech Bytes is very interactive. You can find us online at Tech Bytes HRN. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find a treasure trove of shows at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Spotter, Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, all the podcasting platforms. If you want to hear the episode we did with Jacqueline, that is number 74. If you want to hear more episodes about disconnecting from your tech, we have episode 39, which was a general disconnect from your tech things to do to sort of downgrade your tech use every day. And we have episode 60, which is a digital detox, Mm. which is the framework to do a 24 hour fast from people, technology and food. It's fascinating. I have not tried it. I would like to try it. Maybe this is the year I'm going to do it. You can do it. Yay. Yay. If you want to find JacquelineRaposo.com or Words Food Art is her social media handle. Again, she's going to be at the Strand Bookstore on Monday, February 4th from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. I am Jennifer Leutzi, the host and producer in Tech Bytes. You will find me here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org at 11 a.m. on Thursdays. The show is engineered today by Matt Patterson. The show is sponsored by Corin Knives. Our theme song is Nomad a CPU track by DJ Uptown Nico. We love that song. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Come back and see us next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.